0: Every company is looking for deals and money, deals and money. So if you're able to provide either of those, find either of those, um, you can easily work your way into uh, a lot of companies. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer, with me today. Excited to have Jacob Blackett. Jacob, how are you doing today, man?
1: I am doing well. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you here, Todd.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we've known each other for a little while here. Um, I actually uh, hired your company, uh, Syndication Pro, to uh, use as my platform uh, for my syndications. And so I wanted to get you on the show Talk to you a little bit about that. Talk to you a little bit about your uh, investing and, and check in with you. So, a little bit about uh, Jacob. As I said, he's the owner of Syndication Pro, and his real estate career started back in 2010 as a sophomore at the University of Nevada, when he bought and sold his first resident, first two residential fix and flip properties uh, in Southern California. Uh, since he made the move to the Midwest in 2012. He deployed over $50 million into income-producing real estate. And uh, Jacob founded Holdfolio, a real estate investing platform on the basis of creating partnerships to profit from income-producing real estate. Holdfolio currently owns and manages 1,221 units across the Midwest and Southeast. And uh, as, as I said, he also founded Syndication Pro, which again, that's a real estate software company, uh, and it gives sponsor, sponsors a fully integrated platform where they're able to raise capital, manage your investors online, and, uh, and, and do all that kind of good stuff. So with that said, uh, Jacob, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background and uh, what you got going on today?
1: Yeah, thanks, Todd. I you know, like like you mentioned, I got started in real estate back in college. And actually, uh, when I graduated, got my real estate license, started doing fix and flips and wholesale deals. And uh, in, in my post-college life, I've never had a W-2 or, or a job. I've made money uh, slinging real estate. So uh, really, my kind of uh, evolution is that I was doing the fix and flips and the wholesales and and started buying some rental properties. Really loved the idea that uh, you can buy a piece of property that's gonna shoot you off a little stream of income every month. And uh, quite honestly, kind of fell in love with that concept. And so. Were you buying
0: like duplexes and single families and stuff like that? Or did you go right to big apartments?
1: No, no, I, I well, I, I wanna say I wish I went right into <laughs> big apartments, right? Um, Maybe maybe I'll say I wish I went into big apartments sooner but yeah. my first uh my first rentals were the single family homes uh yeah just just uh, kind of cherry picking some 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 of the fix and flips I was doing uh, I was also helping some investors buy properties so I was keeping some of those to myself as well
0: Cool cool And so you were doing the single families uh you're doing the fix and flips what uh what made you go? I want to turn it on to multifamily versus just continuing down that path.
1: Yeah, I so back in twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, I, I really started Trying to focus on buy and hold single family homes, I had worked in it with a property management company who was managing a thousand single family homes, wow. and so I would see that rent roll coming in every month, yeah. uh, close to close to a million dollars every month uh, in just rent. And and I was thinking uh, that the property management fee was pretty good. Uh, they averaged almost 9% as a property management fee on those single family homes. So they're seeing a pretty big clip uh, every month. Um, And I was thinking, man, if I owned, if I own those properties, or if I own 10 or 20% of those properties, that would be uh, pretty cool. And uh, so that was like my first mission in terms of building my single family home portfolio. And what happened is um, it was, a, it was, Actually, a podcast that I that I found back in twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen, and it was about multifamily uh, real estate. And so, I listened to some podcasts and was thinking, you know, this this has got to be my next step because at that point I had about a hundred single family homes, and uh, anyone who's owned single family home rentals, especially many of them they're all over the place. Uh, right. That they're all over town. They're all different. Uh, and, and it's, it's a lot to manage that. So I was listening to this podcast kind of envisioning that man, if I had my hundred single family homes were all in one place and, and all of them were the same and, and I had my staff right there. I was thinking, you know, that, that would be pretty nice. Uh, and so I eventually, eventually pulled the trigger, um, had a, had a colleague who is, who, who is actually, uh, investing in real estate or in multifamily say, uh, you just gotta do it. Like you, you own a hundred single family homes, you know, everything you need to know, uh, just go buy an apartment, you know? And, and so, so I took him up on that and, and bought a little 46 unit, um, and picked up a 50 unit uh about 6 6 to 8 months later and um never turned back right Just actually cut off the single family homes completely stopped buying those uh still own about a 100 i got up to about 150 at one point uh, but we're kind of selling those off and and uh, sunsetting those single family holdings and focusing on multifamily the the bigger the, the deal, the better, quite honestly, it just seems like
0: from the 46
1: unit and the 50 units and the 80 units and one hundreds and two hundreds, it's seems like the, the, the bigger those get, the better everything works. Uh, so.
0: Well, explain it to me, like what, what works better? Cause you know, I think a lot of us start at single family. I started with single family mm-hmm. complexes myself and and went through a uh, similar change as you did, uh, and, and I find the same thing. So, what do you find that makes it easier, makes it work better um, that you like about the the larger the unit or uh, property type, I guess?
1: Yeah, I probably if I could highlight it into three different categories, it would be and just kind of talk about the different unique things that are better. It would be uh, maybe less than eighty units. Uh, so like the forty six and the fifty unit uh those ones they it was a breath of fresh air from my single family holdings, but they weren 't quite big enough to afford an on site office uh, and and a leasing and a manager and an on site maintenance. If you had stacked all that up on site, it would have been a huge you would have your expense ratio would have been huge yep. and it just would have eaten cash flow so so we had to kind of be off site on those management issues, so once once what I found once you get into about the eighty units, uh, then you can actually afford to have on site uh, manage manager leasing agent, uh, probably those are one person with an eighty unit and then probably one maintenance uh, person uh, and so that 's now a breath of fresh air from the fifty unit because now you have your people right there, uh, and then you go twice as big, say one hundred and sixty unit and it's actually almost the same stuff, maybe one extra maintenance person, so that manager slash leasing agent who manages the 80 unit uh sounds they good you know good and you always want to work with a plus talent they can manage uh and and lease up your hundred and sixty unit uh, and then probably add an, an extra maintenance personnel so so now you're um from a, from an expense ratio, you're that much better and and then of course as you graduate to even bigger deals, now you can really afford to, to hire top-notch uh, personnel. You can, uh, again, get kind of more units to the person count and, uh, and just have, have those people right there on site.
0: Yeah, and that's one of my favorite things, you know, like a two, 200 unit plus building. We've got two maintenance people or more. We've got two on site, uh, you know, leasing office of staff or more. Um, and it's great. Uh, you've always got people at the property, or not always, but for, for a good portion of the day, you've got people at the properties. You're able to take care of a lot of the issues. You're able to see a lot of the issues. That's the hard part about a single family home. I don't know about you, but for me, Man, there's sometimes I don't even go to see my single family homes or or anybody for that matter for, for months at a time. And boy, a lot can happen in a couple of months. <laughs> Where, right. Whereas an apartment, uh, we might not go into every single unit every, you know, every day, but we've at least got people on site at the complex, uh, looking things over, minimum of five days a week. Uh mm and the bigger they get there's it's 7 days a week so
1: yeah i mean that's that's a great point right you've got a 100 single family homes would take you 2 days to to drive past these things just to get an eye look okay. at them uh 100 units you just stroll through the the uh uh you know the on site yep. maybe five ten minutes and and you got to take your notes of whose blinds are ripped down and and who's got trash outside their door and and, uh, you know, yep. cars in the parking lot that don't run.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a, a lot, definitely a lot more efficiency to do in the, the one building versus, like you said, 100, yeah. 100 single-family homes spread around all over the city and maybe in multiple cities. Uh, and then you, and, and are yours in multiple cities or just in one city?
1: Luckily, 90% are in one city. We. Okay. We do own um, about a little over a dozen homes uh, in Dayton, Ohio. So most of our holdings are in Indianapolis. Uh, we have fourteen or fifteen single-family homes in Dayton, Ohio, which is um, a little less than two-hour drive away. So it's not
0: so extended, but it's enough that it are they takes in a Indianapolis bit. Indianapolis proper, though, or are they them in the suburbs?
1: Yeah, they're they're all within all of our single-family homes are within a um, 15 minute drive of downtown Okay. Uh, and on both sides. So, so it might, it might be 25 minutes to drive from one sure. to the other, yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on where they're located.
0: Yeah. So my, my properties, I've got them in not only Minneapolis, St. Paul, but in some of the suburbs and each of those little, each of those cities have different uh, different uh, laws, you know, the different, yeah. different tenant uh, require or different rental requirements. Some of them require a license, some of them don't, some of them require inspection, some of them don't. And then you mm-hmm. got utilities, you know, some of them are this uh, utility provider, some of them are this utility provider. And so it becomes difficult. Uh, you've got to navigate all that stuff um, and talk about a mask, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Funny. Um, so, so talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, whole folio. you guys are, 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 you guys are syndicating properties.
1: Yeah, we, we did. Uh, so we did our first syndication back in 2014 and that, that was actually uh, a portfolio of 10 single family homes. And quite honestly, I, at the time I just dreamt up the scenario where, at the time i was selling turnkey rental properties to investors so i would get into them for say 35 grand uh and and so these are these were kind of cheaper properties working class um in in indianapolis it's a little bit harder now uh 6 years later to get into them as as cheap as we were back then um but they're renting for 700 750 uh, we were rolling to them for thirty-five grand, um, and and they've worked out pretty well as we've held them over four or five years. Uh, but uh, what I was doing at the time is I'd be thirty-five grand all in, and then I'd sell it to an investor for say fifty grand uh, as a turnkey product. I'd manage it, and, and then they would they would uh, you know be theirs. And so I kind of dreamt dreamt up this scenario where uh, instead of selling the properties to the investors, all Simply put the 10 properties into an LLC, have the investors contribute uh, cash uh, and get my, get my 350 grand back so I could go do it again. Uh, and then my that first deal was a 70-30 split, straight straight split. So investors uh, would invest the 350 grand, they'd get 70% ownership, I'd get 30% ownership, and I was, of course, boots on the ground doing all the management um, yep. Those properties fair market value, minimal forty five to fifty grand. So the investors are getting in at, at you know, some right good away. equity. Uh, and and quite honestly, I didn't even know it was a syndication. I had never even heard that word mm-hmm. until I was so far into the process that one of my investors uh, asked asked to confirm that I had filed a form D. And uh, and I and I was like, what? what what do you mean form d and and he's like well, are you kidding you know and and so he said this is a syndication you need to talk to a syndication attorney and um and so so i immediately talked to a syndication attorney we we, we got it all buttoned up and 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 filed and filed and of course did it uh, up to par since then on the 18th syndication since then but uh, that's kind of how i stepped into it uh so our early syndications were portfolios of single family homes and then and then into the apartment syndications
0: did that investor stick Did they, did they do the deal
1: uh, i think he did i think he did invest um because uh yeah i was just at, let's say i was 23 uh you know just just kind of i've always been uh the type to kind of see see what you want and fire you know and just kind of go for it and and figure it out along the way um I, I'm a very analytical person, but I don't, I don't tend to get too caught up in, in um, too much like analysis paralysis type of thing. It's like,
0: yeah. you
1: know, let's, let's do it um, and, and figure it, put those pieces in
0: as we yeah, go. It's amazing what you don't know. Right. I mean, there's so many different things out there and we do, a lot of people don't have a clue what syndication is. And even if they do, they've, uh, they've heard of it, but they don't really understand the concept. And, and I was the same way. I didn't really know what syndication was. And, and uh, you know, it was doing um, bringing investors into deals as joint ventures. And um, you know, it's just like the crazy things that you learn as you go. Um, mm-hmm. Just question like, holy cow, like Oh, god, like, I should, should have known that maybe, but uh, you learn as you go. So Hi, I'm Matt Jones, and if you're like me, you're looking to grow your real estate business while connecting with others. Well, there's this incredible new virtual experience unlike any other. I'm talking about the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's coming to you online October 22nd and 23rd, and it's not like one of those boring webinars that you find all the time out there. No, this is going to be interactive. You're going to have the opportunity to network and grow relationships with the other attendees as well as with the speakers. If you'd like a free preview, we're going to have a free event on September 2nd over lunch hour you can sign up today for both events at nreconference.com and use the code dex dex for $50 off with Hopefolio, where are you guys going with that company what's the what's the vision what's the dream
1: we continue to to acquire and hold real estate so we're long term focused uh, we're focused on multifamily real estate and and our ideal scenario is that uh, within three to seven years of acquiring an asset, we can refinance to return the vast majority, if not all, the capital to ourselves and our investors, and then really be in the position to hold it for exactly how long we want to. Uh, eventually, getting that offer that is just too good to pass up. Um, so
0: when you when you bring your when you bring your investment to your investors, are you bringing it to them with a long-term hold prospectus? Or do you have like a, we're going to sell this in five years. We're going to sell this in seven years, 10 years, whatever. Or is it, Hey, mm-hmm. well, this is, this is the deal. We're going to buy it. We're going to keep it. Eventually we're going to refinance it, give your money back. And uh, we're going to keep it in perpetuity. Like we're going to yeah. go and tell, well, how do you present that?
1: So uh, almost word for word, I say that, and and this is pretty, this is, this is pretty consistent amongst almost all the deals we buy. So there's, there's one deal we purchased that, that we had, um, the, we, we wanted to sell it sooner than later kind of get through, get through the improvements and, and capitalize on the equity. Sure. Um, uh, and, and so all of the other ones, uh, really come into the same framework, which is ideally we can refinance in three to seven years. That's going to get a return of the vast majority, if not all of your capital. You continue to keep ownership and collect dividends as we own and manage that. uh, And that puts us in the position of eventually selling on our terms and our timing to maximize the investment. Alternatively, we could of course sell it at any time uh, to return capital plus profits. Um, The thing is that, there's a lot of external factors that we don't control. Uh, and so while we kind of lean towards that longer term refi and, and kind of that lets us control the destiny as much as possible, something in the markets could change. Uh, financing could change. There could be a pandemic <laughs> and we, we won't be able to get a, a, a good sale or a good refinance because inspectors can't go through units. Uh so uh, so yeah that that's pretty much the narrative uh for for all of our deals.
0: Yeah, I like I really like that approach and you know, an approach that I'm um really kind of wanting to take here on my next few deals. I, I'm not a big uh buy and fix and then sell in three to five years type of investor. Um and, and I like the idea of that longer term hold. Uh, but it's just something that most investors aren't doing. They're they're that five year. Uh, we're gonna fix. Basically, we're gonna fix and flip this apartment building, um, and and that's your approach is is I would say fairly unique in the realm of syndications. Yeah,
1: think? yeah. I mean, you, definitely in syndications as a sponsor, you make a good chunk of money up front when you put the deal together, Uh, all your hard work of, I mean, gosh, can take months and months and months and many deals to get through. Uh, That pays off on the front end with with, uh, typically acquisition fee, right? Uh, And then when you do sell the property, especially if there's a lot of value creation, that's a big payday. So there's an interesting incentive financially to kind of get in and out of deals. But um, at the same time, there's so many benefits, uh, to owning that over a longer term. And, um, you know, the, the dividends that we collect are virtually tax-free, uh, those earnings. Right. Uh, and so, so yeah, that's, that's the way I think it, I think it gives us a good position from my experience. Our investors appreciate that. Um, rarely do I hear someone, um, kind of looking for of course, people want to know when they get their cash back. And I think that's where you focus on that refi in three to seven years. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so then you don't have to feel like you're committing to that sell. Um, and at the same time, you're not committing to that long-term hold in case you get a, a magical offer that you never expected selling it for. Or who know, maybe the property just doesn't operate, doesn't cash flow the way the way we anticipated. Uh, right another good point. there's yeah there's there's lots of ways that that you uh that you might say you know what let 's let 's sell this now because it's going to be most profitable
0: or there's opportunity look i mean we 're in the middle of the pandemic right now, and so far there's no real glaring opportunity out there as far as getting multifamily for pennies on the dollar but What happens if it does become distressed and you've got a high performing property, your property still, yeah, it's not going to sell for as much as it did pre uh, a crash, but it's still going to sell for a good dollar amount. If you can profit on it, you might want to take whatever pennies you've got there and buy something for massive, massive discount. Um, So that makes a lot of sense too. So it's nice having that flexibility. I really appreciate the flexibility that you guys have set up for your investors. And to me, it, it gives them uh, probably the best of, the best kind of, of all worlds. Now they have to trust you, right? But hopefully they didn't come into the investment and put their 50 or a hundred or whatever into the investment, not trusting you. So uh, yeah, that guess is they trusted you from the beginning.
1: That rarely happens. Right? <laughs> I don't know if it happens.
0: We don't trust you, but uh, we're just gonna try this. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. but the the pro forma looks so good now. Yeah, yeah. You don't know about you, but this pro forma, man, <laughs>
0: that looks great. <laughs> uh, talk about syndication, Pro. Uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, it's uh, you know, I, I have your company. Um, you know, our, all my stuff is being put through there now, and. And I really have enjoyed it. And so, talk about your company, Syndication Pro, and kind of what you guys are doing and where that's going as well.
1: Yeah, it's quite honestly, it's it's been a blast. It's really fun. Uh, So I have Syndication Pro and Holdfolio. I I feel like I work full time on both, uh, and it keeps me busy. I wake up every day excited to do that. But uh, Syndication Pro was born naturally Uh, back in 2013. Uh, when the jobs act has just been passed and the very first real estate crowdfunding websites came up uh, this, this idea of raising money online uh, was really introduced. Uh, It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't available prior to that jobs act in in 2012. So that had caught my eye in 2013 and I really wanted to source capital online Uh, at that time there was no investor portal. There was no software to do that. Uh, And so I had just looked at those early crowdfunding sites uh, who built their sites themselves, developed that, developed that uh, and kind of, and, and used those as basically a template to build my own site, to source my own capital from investors. And so that's what I had done. And, and so through 2013, 2014, 15, 16, 17, um, into, into 2018 at that time I had caught wind of some investor portals and some software. And so for five years, I was basically raising money myself through my own website that I had built with my development team, uh, which cost a lot of money and took a ton of time, uh, but was really rewarding. Uh, and in early 2018, I decided that I would go ahead and demo some of these investor portals, because maybe it was time to go ahead in and, and say goodbye to my website that I built myself and kind of take things to the next level with this professional software. And when I, when I did those demos, I just wasn't impressed. I, I came out of an hour long demo and I felt like, man, this is, this is a bit complicated. Uh, it feels bulky. Um, it's really expensive. And And I was kind of looked at my site and was thinking, you know, this, what I have built already, I feel like is in many regards better than that professional uh, kind of software. And so that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me at that point in time. And I decided that I would go ahead and uh, pitch the owner of my web development company. I was using an agency to build out the first site and say, Hey, uh, I think, I think we could polish up what we've already built here and um, because I had already had colleagues asking me how I built Holdfolio and how they could do it themselves. Um, But I, I told, um, I told uh, the owner of the web development company, Amit, who's my current partner, uh, I think that we could polish this up and and people will sign up and use it. Uh, I think there's a need for something simple, uh, something intuitive uh, that doesn't have uh, the bulk and the complication and the big price tag. And so that's what we set out to do with Syndication Pro. And um, we released a beta version uh, in, in late 2018. Uh, I think that you actually were, were signed up to that first, that first beta version. Um, and, then, and then we released a, uh, a, a second version, which is kind of takes everything to the next level, and that's what we're currently on. And, uh, it's been going, it's been going really well. We have, um, over 160, uh, different sponsor groups and firms. And, um, a lot of that growth has come in the last six months or so, it's just organic.
0: Yeah. It's, and, and that's something I really appreciated about your, um, uh, portal is that, like you said, some of the other ones, well, first of all, they're super expensive for what you get. And they're really, I don't know, almost clunky. And I'm not a tech person at all. Uh, and I struggle. And you probably know that by the emails I send, like, what do you, how do you do this? And so the great thing is there's great customer service, right? It's easy. You, you guys are very easy to access, whether it's you or whether it's somebody on your team, very easy to access. And it's very easy to use, like really easy to set everything up, really easy to upload, really easy to do everything on there where some of these other systems, um, it, it, it was not easy and customer service isn't that great. And your price, the price tag is huge. And so it's like, oh, geez, you know, and that's, that's why I went searching for something else. And eventually, um, you know, went with you is because I, I didn't like what these other programs had to offer, so I definitely appreciate what you guys have and, and what you've built. I think it's really cool. I'm excited to continue to see the growth and, and the bells and whistles you guys continue to add with it.
1: yeah I, pre- I appreciate that feedback. Uh, I'd say it that's what keeps me driving and keeps me uh, focused on syndication Pro is that we continue to get people that love it. And and are really jazzed about using it, and and report back to us that it's improved their business, saved them time, um, and has has been part of their ability to scale. And so that that I mean that's so rewarding. And and we uh, we just hired more developers, and and we've got a our team is getting close to twenty. Uh, and so we're just working so hard at um, at. Features, improvements, and and just really bringing something that that is unlike anything out
0: there. Yeah, awesome. Let's switch gears. Um, you have you started this business when you're in college. You you grew. Uh, you're, you know, you're now owning a lot of multifamily. You've got Syndication Pro. Um, you've got some success that you've built throughout the years. What kind of advice can you give my listeners, especially the young listeners out there? They're like, man, I want to start when I'm 20, 21, 22, 25, whatever it is. What kind of advice can you give our listeners? Maybe three success tips or, you know, pieces of advice.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think reflecting reflecting back Certainly one thing that I that I think helped me was a knack for self-improvement and you know, anyone who's motivated and want wants to accomplish something typically has this already. But staying staying on top of what's available, what online is huge, the, the things that are available online, uh, forums, resources, podcasts yeah. uh, and and just continuing to uh, soak up and, and take advantage of books and, and, uh, and all of these resources, um, keeping, for example, um, books, keeping ones that really impacted you or you really feel were great and rereading them. Uh, you know, really, uh, I'd say that would be one piece of advice. Um,
0: also, I, I love that piece of advice right there. You take those books that you like and maybe even that you didn't like, but that were highly recommended to you and reread. There's some books that I'll read and I'll like put down quarter way or halfway through it. And I'm like, this book sucks. And you pick it back up three years later and you're like, wow, this book is just mind-boggling. It's so good. Sometimes your brain's not even ready for it, but rereading books, I think that's, that's, I think that's fantastic. But we try to get all these books and sometimes they're right in front of us, the ones that we should read.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Try to avoid that information overload. Right. And, and make sure that when you find that, that juicy piece of information or that golden nugget that you really push yourself to try to take action, try to, you know, what actionable thing, how do I work this in to what I'm doing and, and really put this to use? Um, I, one of my, I feel like one thing that was certainly uh, a launching pad for me was uh, back in 2012 uh, when I was still in my first couple of years of, of getting going, I had associated was, was able to associate with, uh, an established group who were, they were primarily uh, selling turnkey rental properties. Uh, and so I had met them through doing wholesale deals and uh, realized that they were, they had a big operation going on. And, uh, and it and was able to work my way into that organization. Uh, quite honestly, I I framed it to the owner of that company that uh, I have extra time um of course, looking for deals. I'm doing these wholesale deals and how you've bought the last couple of deals that I, that I found. Uh, but I'm also I have some extra time. What can I, what can I do for you? Um, and at that time, the, the, uh, owner of the company was creating marketing documents himself for the properties. And, uh, he's like, well, maybe, maybe this is something you can, you can do. And I was like, gladly. And so, I started putting together these marketing docs for him Uh, fast forward 12 months and I'm head of his acquisitions. I'm going into auction. I'm picking up properties from all these different avenues. I'm uh, basically consulting on his management company, uh, taking, taking his management company to a new software, uh, helping kind of department, create departments and, and improve and, and, um, That was a huge launching pad. So if, if, uh, if you're getting started looking to, looking to get into this, if you can, if you can find a way to just work into an organization who's, who's doing what you want to do, uh, and I mean, spend a year, two years, uh, underneath that umbrella and working in those compartments and just giving it your all. And, uh, I mean that, that would, that was a big, big launch pad for me. Yeah.
0: And that's that's the key right there. Actually, giving that true effort, right? A lot of, you know, a lot of people, business owners are a little shy about bringing somebody on, right? That wants to to learn that they know wants to learn because what are they, are they going to actually do anything? Are they just going to mm-hmm. try to suck information and then leave as quickly as they possibly can? So if you're willing to actually stay committed, truly committed to it, and show that, I think that's going to go a lot yeah.
1: better. And and also uh it there might not be an opportunity to to get worked in immediately in terms of actually working within the organization, but most likely one thing that always is on the table is finding deals, right? Like yeah. any 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 growing we'll take multifamily for example, any any growing firm, real estate firm buying multifamily yeah. is looking for Their next deal, and so uh, if you can't worm your way into some type of process or or kind of uh, like W two related work, then uh, become a become a deal maker. That's the top of the funnel. Um, Go out there, uh, find different avenues. Like for example, if, if a firm is only getting their deals from their group of brokers, go start go go start chasing direct to owner and see it and see if you can put something together. Uh, of course, that's an easy conversation an easy proposal to an, ex, an existing real estate firm is, Hey, if, if I, if I put it, if I put a deal together, uh, direct to owner, would you be interested? Number one, to review my underwriting of it. Um, and number two, if it's a good deal, it works out. Can, are you willing to cut me in to the deal somehow? Uh, I'll let you know, I'll let you do, do uh, everything yourself, keep it in house. You don't have to worry about me getting in the way. Um, but would you be willing to, you know, cut cut me into that deal? Uh, and, and, you know, just takes one deal and that, and that firm now looks at you a lot differently and probably is more willing to say, Hey, this is what you could do in house for us.
0: Yeah. hundred percent agree. I mean, Every company is looking for deals and money, deals and money. So if you're able to fr- provide either of those, find either of those, um, you can easily work your way into uh, a lot of companies, a lot of companies. Right. Yeah. And, and I can promise you this. I mean, if somebody brought me the right deal that worked out well in one of the markets I'm interested in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work something out. And my guess is you're probably very similar. I mean, if somebody brought you a deal in Indianapolis so it was a great deal. You want to do, I guess, is you're okay with providing them a little bit of the of piece of pie.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm always willing to look at a deal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, awesome. Um, what's a big mistake or a mistake that you, your company, has made, and how have you learned from it? Uh,
1: so, the first thing that comes to mind would be the second apartment uh, complex that we purchased, It was a 50 unit and had, had great historical occupancy, current occupancy. It was, it was seventies vintage, uh, early seventies vintage. And the owner had owned it for 30 years Um, from, from a, uh, from an external look, it was well taken care of. Um, But what ended up happening with that deal is that, we our our business model our business model on the, on that deal was to uh, leverage the fact that it has high historical occupancy and demand uh, and use the revenue from current rents to help pay a little extra on each churn to make improvements yeah. so so said shortly we didn't raise enough cash up front to get through the uh, improvements. We only raised for, there was like one down unit and one vacant unit. So we raised a little bit in that regard. Uh, and then in addition, we found out that repairs and maintenance were much higher than we anticipated, double our budget. Uh, and that was because the uh, current owner just was putting band-aids on everything and not investing in the infrastructure of the property. So when, when a plumbing stack, for example, leaked in the wall, they just cut out and you know, replaced that one little, that one little spot and covered it up when it really needed to be replaced because they were doing those patches and repairs uh, routinely. Yeah. And so, so yeah, on that particular deal, we, we were just undercapitalized. Uh, it it ate cash flow, uh, it it ate into our cash flow. We uh, we ended up selling that deal early. Uh, things worked out from an ROI perspective. We were a little under uh, what we projected, but um, but there was never never a fear of principal loss or or you know nothing too doom and gloom. Um, but it was stressful to try to figure out you know these repairs and maintenance are coming in so so heavy each month and dissecting those and seeing when is this you know what what, what's when's the end of the rainbow and and it took it took about 18 close to 24 months until those repairs and maintenance started kind of coming down month over month because we we were getting caught up on on stuff that the previous owner was just neglecting
0: yeah yep And, and, and some of those are really hard to catch and that's the that's the value of having that you know, reserve fund and having mm-hmm. raising that capital up front and be well capitalized, and obviously you yeah that, that lesson the hard way yeah. So uh, I think most of us have um, yeah. It's, it's easy to think that, like you said, I mean, you had a plan. The plan made sense. It made sense on paper, at least yeah. yeah. But then reality hit and yeah, and derailed.
1: And also, you'll you'll find maybe rules of thumbs regarding like how much you should allocate for repairs and maintenance, for yeah. example. Uh, but but that highly depends on the vintage, what year that was for built, sure. how the owner has been taking care of it. Uh, you could triple that. Vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so now, uh, depending on the vintage, uh, we we had we had bought a property recently that was the same kind of early seventies vintage yeah. our, our repairs and maintenance allocation was, uh, four times higher, uh, than, than that initial. And it's, it's working out great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but we factor that in up front.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cause you're always going to have that, especially that plumbing. And, um, uh, it's going to be huge plumbing and HVAC and that type of yeah. stuff on that '70s stuff. It's just, it's just going bad. That's just the, the reality. So, um, I got a couple more questions before we wrap up. I want to be respectful of your time. So how do you like to give back?
1: So I like to uh, be a bit spontaneous. So there's, there's different times and and be aware uh, of what's going on. So I'll I'll give um, maybe a recent example. I was uh, in the dentist, uh, dentist's office getting a filling and uh, I was overhearing on the, on the office next door that um, this other individual had needed five fillings and they were trying to pick which, which to do first. They could only afford, they could only afford to do one filling now, basically. Uh, So, so she was talking about what they're trying to localize pain. Well, is it, is the pain back here on the top or the bottom? And I was just thinking, man, that, you know, I don't, if I had five, cavities Uh, that would be tremendous Uh, but I could pay for it to get it fixed I wouldn't need to think twice about that and so when I wrapped up uh, my filling I went ahead and put money on that other person's account to uh, so that so that they can don't they don't have to worry about having a toothache because they can't afford to fill it right so I think giving back uh, for me comes into a lot of spontaneous decisions like that uh, in addition, I'm involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, I've had I've had a little brother brother since um, 2013, 2014, and uh, and it's, it's been really it's been really awesome. We we do a big a big annual donation to Big Brothers Big Sisters, uh, and and are involved with them and, and, um, and some other some other charities. Awesome, awesome.
0: What's a favorite book?
1: Um, man, I, I think one, one book that I think about on almost a daily basis would be, uh, the four agreements. And, uh, this is, this is, uh, really just fundamentals on how to be a good person and, and not get caught up in, in other things. So the four agreements is great. Uh, it speaks to, uh, not taking things personally, for example, um, being being good with your word, uh, always doing your best, uh, just kind of these 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 key key things to consider, and um, that, that's one book that sticks with me on a daily basis in terms of
0: trying to remind myself. Cool. Last question before we wrap up: What are your three pillars of wealth creation?
1: So. When it, when it comes to three pillars, I, the first one for me, how I look at this is it's probably get lucky. So, so that, that's the first pillar. And, and in, in my opinion, success, um, it takes some success to build wealth and have wealth. And, and um, I think it's made up of a hundred percent of, of luck and a hundred percent of hard work and determination. So you need both. Um, hard work and determination with no luck at all, in my opinion, just isn't going to get you, get you anywhere. So luck, uh, factors into it a lot. I think this could be where you're born, uh, the, what country you're born, what, what neighborhood you're born into, uh, who your parents are, who you meet through life, the type of people you're meeting, um, what book you might stumble into, uh, market timing, right? That's a huge factor of luck. Uh, And unfortunately, I would say another one would be uh, due to systemic racism, the color of your skin uh, even factors into luck, unfortunately. Um, So it doesn't hinge on one lucky thing. It's a combination. Uh, And and again, I think success requires both luck and hard work and determination. Um, Number two would be innovative product, or service. So, uh, having something that people love, uh, people find value in the community, um, or, or using, and then three would be invest. So, uh, this is where uh, your money makes more money,
0: right? Awesome. In in terms of luck, would you say that there's, there's some luck that just is luck, right? It's just pure luck and, like where you're born you can't control it right color of your skin you can't control that I guess you could go get like skin treatments but that's weird um so so like that that stuff you can't control but there's some luck that I I would argue maybe you can control you think that's true or not
1: yeah I think that um there's situational luck so for example you can't be lucky you can't time the market right unless you were starting that business right so there's definitely um there's definitely situational luck and i think certainly we uh i if i wasn't investing in real estate or if i didn't go to a certain conference in the first place i would never have met that person that i ended up partnering on that 420 unit deal with yeah. so it was it was lucky i met him at the conference but i put myself there at the conference but i could have got through that conference with never meeting him so yeah. of was lucky that i met him there yeah. so yeah it's a good point there's definitely uncontrolled circumstantial and then um just by putting yourself and doing chasing dreams chasing goals um you also have a lot of um kind of uh situational luck
0: yeah and i feel and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like that situational luck that you can put yourself into the right position if you're kind of willing and open to accept it is where a lot of that will come then in. Like you were open to having a partner, right? You were open to building a relationship with somebody. You weren't just going to that conference close-minded, only doing, only there for, for learning. That's it. Like you Mm -hmm. open to have that luck coming to you. And I think a lot of that is how you are positioning yourself, positioning your thoughts and your mind, um, to be able to accept the luck or to be able to push it away and deny it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Uh, and probably a lot of that mindset and, and positioning comes from potentially people I met previously or, yeah or uh, maybe a book that I had read that changed my mindset. I think the um, secrets of the millionaire mind by T e. harvecker yep. That, that book was a, was a random blurt um, before I even knew about yeah. mindset. That was yeah. the first book. And I, and I, I think I heard it when I was in a real estate seminar back in 20, back in 2009. And I had seen the real estate seminar from a commercial late one night, it was like 1 a.m. I flipped on the television <laughs> and it was like a fix and flip, get rich. But,
0: yeah.
1: um, but that book, you know, it's like, yeah. man, if I, who knows, number one, if I didn't see that commercial that night back in 2009, yeah. I might be a CPA right now.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, or, you know, just, just, or that, where I had that specific uh, real estate coach right. mention it,
0: you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure having you on, Jacob, and I really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, how could our listeners get in touch with you to learn more about Holdfolio, about Syndication Pro, and just uh, learn more about you?
1: Yeah, the, so I would say my contact info is on both sites, so syndicationpro.com, holdfolio.com. Uh, you can you can kind of get some more ideas about those companies, and then um, my uh, my contact infos directly on those sites.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, again, appreciate you joining us on the show. Tons of value it was, you were able to add, so I appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Todd. It was a pleasure.